Welcome to War College. My name is Jesse Romero. What an absolute treat. I can't believe that I have <clears throat> two of the foremost experts on spiritual warfare in the world, lay Catholics Kyle Clement <clears throat> and uh, Dr. Dan Schneider. This is the Wednesday show. It's called War College. Guess what? What a treat in 2022. We're going to have both of them or one of them on every single week, every Wednesday. This is called War College. Any question on spiritual warfare, this is the go-to podcast. Uh, Kyle, Dan, welcome, welcome, brothers. This is going to be a great year. Roger, thanks uh, thanks for having us, and thanks to Virgin Most Powerful for uh, all their support of all things Catholic. Ditto. Dan, we missed you at the at the spiritual warfare conference. Uh, people were asking for you, especially the guys from The Shield. But as, as you well know, uh, Father Chad Ripperger and Kyle Clement – Knocked it out of the park, absolutely. Uh, and yeah. that, the downloads keep coming in for people around the world that want to see that conference. So once we're done with some questions and answers in the next couple of weeks, maybe we can take a look at the conference, take a look at little excerpts, and have you and, and Kyle parse it out and explain things for us. How's that? That sounds great. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll kind of parse it out, Father, because Father's Father every every sentence or every paragraph Father Father gives. There, there is there, there's a lot of philosophical unpacking on either side of that statement or, or that 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 thought. There's a philosophical and theological understanding behind it, and then there's an even further practical understanding for us in the field. What how we can how this what what this means to us. And so this is kind of what we want to do on, on the podcast is continue to do that, unpack it. You know, those subtle little movements that that make the difference between hitting your target and missing your target. Those are the things we try, try to do so you can understand the, some of the philosophical and theological underpinnings, but also more more functionally. What does this look like in the spiritual life and how can this become help us to become better soldiers, better warriors, better Christians, holier people, better husbands, living our vocation, better wives, that sort of thing. Kyle, can you tell us a little bit and also Dr. Dan Schneider, some of the people in the audience are new to this program. And uh, they probably want to know, well, who is Kyle Clement? Jesse is bringing him in every single week. He's an expert on spiritual warfare. Can you tell us a little bit about your bio? And then, Dan, we want to hear about you. Kyle, can you t tell the audience a little bit about you? Well, I always start uh, the response to this question um, is never look at a priest and tell him whatever I can do to help you, Father. Because you'll, you'll end up with <laughs> And so about 20 years ago, um, a little better than 20 years ago now, I started to share some fruit of prayer with a confessor, and he asked if I would pray with some people. I didn't even know what that meant, but essentially, um, I, I, had, I had the ability, he thought, to see some patterns and to, to look at some things in a kind of a different perspective. It's not a gift. It's not anything preternatural. It's certainly not anything charismatic. It's just the ability to see patterns and to see a trajectory and to see where that's going to go. One of the things that I analogies is I guided elk hunts for years and I don't have to see or a tracker doesn't have to see every single track to follow the animal. If you know the animal, if you know the nature of the beast, then you can only see one or two tracks from that. You can determine uh, gender direction, speed. Then you look at your horizon and you know where he's going to be. And so it's the same with, with the diabolical, and what we found was they were very, very closely regulated and tightly patterned creatures. And so from that uh, initial meeting, 
this uh, this priest was an exorcist, so I began to accompany him and offer some insights. And then um, I got in contact with Monsignor Essip, uh, John Essip, and uh, began to discuss cases. He invited me to Mundelein uh, to a healing and deliverance conference. And what was happening, there were actually two events happening, is he was there. I never, the, the first six years I went to Mundelein, I never heard a conference. Um, I was uh, assisting Monsignor praying prayers of, of liberation and exorcism over religious, mostly. And so um, at that location, they'd come uh, for prayer as well as for the conference. Then they asked us to uh, put together um, a curriculum and a um, uh, method of teaching for uh the USCCB requested Monsignor Essip and others to form a committee and, and develop that. That was uh, became the Pope Leo XIII Institute, and uh, I taught there for several years. I had met Father Ripperger for the first time. We were trying to think about this the other day. We think it was 04 or 05 uh, at one of the conferences and immediately hit it off just because we we realized that both of us were working different sides of a couple of the same cases. And so the insights were the same. He looks at things the way I do. I look at things the way he does with a very Thomistic um, orientation to psychology. Uh, the demon, Father Ripperger, one of his quotes is, the demon understands us the way St. Thomas writes about us and describes us. And so there's a certain universal truth there. There's a certain um, consistency if you will. And so um, taught with the Leo for several years, worked with Father. I've been working with Father now for about 15 years. We developed the Libra Cristo protocol in the last five years. We de developed that to deal with just the sheer volume and number of cases. Um, and so I, I, I hope that satisfies the, the question. Absolutely. What is, is there a new website now? That's, uh, is it up yet, Kyle? Libra Cristo? So what we've got right now is a landing page. Thanks to Dan's efforts, we've got a landing page. And so um, I'm going to give you some uh, information later in the program about different programs and things that we're doing. But go to LibraCristo.org and request more information. Log in. Let us have your contact information. And there will be newsletters and communications forthcoming as we rebuild uh, that LibraCristo website. Um, so yeah, that's, that's up and going. So thank you, Jesse, for that opportunity. Dr. Dan, give us a little bit about your bio in relation to spiritual warfare. Yeah, I was, <clears throat> so we're six, seven years ago, I was beginning my doctoral studies and, uh, a priest friend, um, uh, was asked, had gone to the, to the Pope Leo for training, uh, being asked to, to be the diocesan mandated exorcist. He asked me to, to come to some conferences and, uh, just listen and see what I thought. And, and, you know, he was a little anxious about it. It's, it's, it's a, it's kind of a, it could be a bit, a bit overwhelming and intimidating field. So he brings in this speaker, um, this is going to train us and teach us. And, uh, there was about 30, 40 people he invited and in to see who was going to shake through and guy stands up long beard. He said he's from Texas. And I thought, Oh my gosh, Texas of all places. Would you bring this guy in here from Texas poor father? So Kyle gets up and he starts, he starts laying out the progression to possession. I, you know, I already had a master's in theology, I accepted into a doctoral program, and uh, starting biblical studies is my field. And so, as Kyle starts laying this out, 
Um, I, you, know, you and I took the same course on Christian spirituality, Jesse, at Franciscan yeah. University. And, and we know through tradition that there's really nine grades of prayer. You have the three ways of, of, of uh, um, you know, um, the, the three great ways of the spiritual life, uh, the purgative way, the, the uh, illuminative way, and the transformative way. And so Kyle starts laying out in the back of my mind, I understood Catholic, I, I know Catholic theology, and he starts laying out the progression to possession, and the lights just start clicking on for me. And I began to see how the, the, the demon militates to perfect possession the way that God intends for our souls to be to, to be driven towards uh, towards union with complete union with God and the, and the demon be, and then I began to see the unfolding of all things diabolic as an inversion of all things uh, uh, Catholic and so so we, we go through several days of training and then at the end they were praying over someone and my my priest friend says hey can you would you stick around nobody believe it or not nobody's staying. So I said, Father, if you're, I'm just a guy from the neighborhood, Columbus, Ohio. One of my friends is in a fight. I'm in the fight, whether I want to be in the fight or not. So I said, Yeah, Father, I'm in. You know, so so and so Kyle's directing and training Father after he had trained us, and I and and I began to see now not just theory, but you begin to see the power of the church. The Latin word would be auctoritas, the authority, the 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 power of the church to bear in, in seeing exorcism as a liturgical expression, uh, an extension of the liturgical life of the church and the authority of the church. So, so, uh, father asked me to stay on and we did team training. Kyle was, is my sensei and he taught me, uh, uh, and taught me well as a cab again. Uh, so I have a theological background. I finished my doctoral program. I'm teaching now the theology scripture, uh, at a couple different places. So, but, but at the same time, you have this rational understanding of the faith and then seeing all these rather supernatural manifestations of evil, the two began to come together, and I began to understand that the real way to defeat evil is returning to the tradition of the church. We've been fighting this ancient enemy uh, from the beginning. Since the beginning of time, the catechism said, man has been in a, engaged in dour combat. Uh, so we've been engaging dour combat, and, and, I, and I started uh, learning and, and helping to, to roll out the, 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 uh, the protocol that Father and Kyle had developed, and it's extremely effective. And so, you know, again, this is not something that that I would have volunteered to do. Um, uh, you know, Kyle, I remember <laughs> your first lecture, you said, you're here for three reasons. You, you, you ask God, uh, use me, right? You asked him to make me holy, right? And and to do whatever do whatever you want to do in my life. And if you prayed these prayers, God's going to do that. He's going to put you in the apostolate where He wants you. And so, in fact, the only people we've ever turned away as team members are people that said, "Hey, I want to be on this team." So anybody that volunteers is automatically uh, no longer qualified because because nobody in their right mind would want to do this. But but God calls us, and He needs soldiers in the field. He needs soldiers in the field. You know, to to you need guys to show people how to use their weapons safely. How to yield these weapons that, uh, that that God has given us power and authority? How this all these structures work? Um, so anyway, so that was a short bio. You know, part of it too was um, my first assignment on the team because Kyle knew I was I was uh, you know had some theological Dan, background. Dan, I hear the music. Dan, hold that right, thought. We'll that next. You're listening to War College. Three men that love the Lord, love Our Lady, faithful sons of the Church. We will be doing this every single Wednesday. War College, spiritual warfare, questions and answers. We'll be right back. War College. 
Dr. Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement, Jesse Romero talking about spiritual warfare. This is the go-to show for Catholic spiritual warfare. There is nothing like it in uh, in the world of Catholicism. This is a very unique show. Dan, you were finishing up sharing with us uh, how you met Kyle and how you were inserted into the field of uh, of uh, when, healing, when deliverance, and exorcism. Yeah, when you're in te- you're working in teams, everything is working under the local local bishop through a priest. There's this is not just willy nilly. This is not just. In fact, nowhere in tradition. Do we see bands of lay people going around and driving out demons? Not in Roman Catholicism, anyway. Uh, uh, so, so uh, what I saw there as part of this team, that one of the first initial cases, uh, Kyle said, "All right, Dan, we, I want you to be the scribe. You just take notes." I said, "Okay." And so everything is happening in Latin, and you know my Latin is not great, but it's not bad. Um, so, and I started. So the demon manifests, and what that, what that means is it takes over and appropriates the senses of the person. So, so now the demon is trafficking these senses: sight, hearing, taste, whatever, and smell. And so, as the priest, if the priest mispronounced a Latin word, uh, the demon would laugh. Um, the demon re- would respond to the litany of saints of certain saints in Latin that nobody else, nobody else in the room understood what was going on. The priest knows is in a book. He can't see what the person. And that really opened my eyes up, you know, that 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 the power of the Latin language, the, the power of the authority of the church. Uh, it really it brought a dimensionality into my own understanding of the church um, that that has, has, has since really changed the way I view things. And so um, those those couple I mean, we've got a hundred of those stories, but, but that's what really woke me up and go, yeah, this is real deal. This you can't fake this. You sit into a session, somebody is is in the session screaming, "Este hijas mía, este hijas mía, this child, this daughter is mine," you know. And then I and then I walk the, the the person after the session out to their car to make sure they don't collapse, they're okay, blah blah blah. Me and the team members walk this person out, and I start talking to her in Spanish, and she says, oh, "I don't speak Spanish." But they had just spoken perfect Spanish, okay, five minutes or ten minutes prior. So when you start to see these things, supernatural strength, you know, eight men having to hold down a 15-year-old girl uh, and, and not doing it at all, uh, being thrown around a room, um, big guys, you know, it, 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 you start to see, yeah, there's something other here at work. But at the same time, the focus has always been on Christ, church, and the salvation of souls. Let me ask you guys a big question because there's a huge event that's going to be happening here in Scottsdale Arizona this weekend and both of you guys are the lay experts in the world on spiritual warfare you guys uh, are the top of the food chain when it comes to the understanding because uh, you're on exorcism teams Uh, Kyle works directly with Father Ripperger there are hundreds if not thousands of lay Catholics we're going to go out there for three days from 12 noon to 3 p.m. and pray at the time when Jesus Christ was dying for our sins on the cross we're going to unite our prayers, the Holy Rosary, the four rosaries, uh, uh, prayers in Latin in between the rosaries, the Memorari, the, the Angelus. We're going to end with the uh, 3 o'clock Divine Mercy because we're going to be praying from 12 to 3 p.m. Everybody's asked to uh, go to confession this week. Everybody's asked to be in a state of grace or don't attend. Everybody's asked to wear sacramentals. Uh, my question to you, Kyle, first, uh, is this is the most, this is the biggest in your face attempt by the temple of satan actually doing a satanic conference for three days where they have speakers and they have uh they have their three days uh, already uh, outlined for them uh what can we do as and by the way the bishop has called all the churches all the churches to expose the blessed sacrament he's calling people to pray in the churches as well he's calling people to pray from home as well 
And so the Diocese of Phoenix is going to be activated. Uh, people are going to be praying from the churches in front of the Blessed Sacrament, from their homes, those that are homebound. But there's also going to be a cadre of people, probably about a 1,000 people, uh, in front of the Saguaro Hotel in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, Kyle, what would you give as a recommendation for people, for the lay people going out there, uh, so that we can stay protected and we can uh, work within the confines of spiritual warfare? Well, as you describe it, um, for this particular engagement, you've got air support. So you've got air superiority provided by the bishop and those in adoration and doing prayer. So take advantage of your air superiority and meaning focus on the ground. <clears throat> so the thing there is you want to employ all forces, the indigenous as well as, as those that are imported. And you want there to be a cooperated effort between the indigenous or those Catholics who live in Scottsdale and those Catholics who are coming in. And what does that look like? It looks like the following, and I'll be very straightforward because we fight this battle out in the open. There's nothing sneaky about it. If you work in any of the hotels in, in Scottsdale, if you work any of the food service industries and you are Catholic, be Catholic. Um, bless food. Include blessed salt, blessed holy, uh, holy water. Include these things in the laundry at the hotels. All of these things. Fight. This is your turf. Take it. This is your turf. Be Catholic. Pray. Let prayer be your watchword. Be in a state of grace and suspend all argument, all negativity. Because what's going to happen is when you've got this kind of armada of diabolical activity that comes into a place, then what they're wanting to do is you to stop praying, lose your virtue, lose your grace, lose the things that give your prayer merit. And be aware of that. Just absolutely refuse to argue until the Satanists leave. Refuse to do anything negative until the Satanists leave. Bless them. Um, it's like heaping hot coals on their head. This, you know, fight this battle. Um, they say that the end times, the battle will be between the children of light and dark. Do not let yourself give in to cowardice and call it prudence. Do not do that. Um, stand up. Be Catholic. Be especially for laity. Be a, a, a public Catholic. That's my recommendations. Dan, uh, add to please. But I think that you really want to take advantage of the air superiority that the bishops are provide. Dan, your comments. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we we talked a lot. This is similar to to the the the, the strategy and tactics employed at at the uh, the abortion clinic. So you just have to be prudent about it. Um, know your lines of authority. Stay in your lane. If you think of a Roman warfare, again, I'm just a former military officer, and, a, and I was a scout pilot, a cavalry scout, you know, in the Cavs scout, a gunship pilot, and we would see the battle formations. And if the battle formations got to stay tight, and so you're not out here to one-on-one -on -one fight, you're not out here to to you're not engaging as an individual soldier. You're as a group, uh, uh, as part of a unit. You know the old saying: uh, the the most important weapon to a Spartan on the battlefield is the Spartan to his right. So, so you're, you're praying together. You're, you're, you're invoking the love of God, the power of God. You're invoking the mercy of God. You're praying, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing well, in the signal core, they would call it counter jamming. You know, you're jamming the, you're jamming the signal of, uh, so they can't communicate. These are things that, that this is part of, 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 of the spiritual warfare. So you're out there working together. The rosary is a very, very effective weapon. Um, you know, so, so working and, and praying the rosary, singing Marian hymns, um, these are some of the tactics that you use. Gregorian chant is very effective. 
uh, uh, incense, blessed incense is very effective. But just make sure that you're, you know, if you if you got a row, a row of, 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 you know, heavy infantry, for example, in Roman warfare, that row is strong to the extent that they are united. So you have to just stay united. Don't roll out there and, and, and uh, you know, uh, kind of John Wayne thing. Stay, just stay in a tight unit and, and keep protected. Amen. Thank you very much. Here's one for Kyle. This is gonna this is gonna make you crack. Dan, you could have, you should have been there, so you're not gonna understand this. But so I'm gonna share this with Kyle. Uh, it, question from the audience: Is it disobedient to reject wearing a mask when it's being mandated by a business or government? <laughs> Kyle, that's for you. <laughs> Dan, we'll tell you why I share I shared that with Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> so let's focus on some terms here uh, with regard to obedience. Is it being disobedient? So obedience, two things about obedience. Number one is uh, it has to be rightly exercised. The authority that precedes the obedience, obedience is an obligation to right authority. And so uh, mask mandates are not right authority, bottom line, just de facto. <laughs> And, and so the idea that somebody whose life is, is totally out of order can tell you that you need to, to, to wear a mask, just push them on it. Where's the law? Not, not your mandate, not your company policy. Where's the law? And the law is not behind them because it's not there. So let's don't confuse obedience. Now, I want to tell you that we have been, as lay faithful, we have been beaten severely about the head and shoulders with the concept of obedience by um, clergy that are misusing the term and misusing authority. So just because a bishop tells you to do something or just because somebody tells you to do something, you have to really examine, number one, am I subject to this person? Number two, is the authority rightly um, discharged? Is this authority to which I must be uh, obedient? And what you're going to find is the argument fails in both cases. It's a, it's an exercise. It's a grasp of power that is not theirs, and it's an imposition of authority which is not theirs. Which leads to a second question. Years ago, Cardinal Kupich told lay Catholics over in, I think it was uh, Seattle, Washington, when he was out there, he told them they could not go and pray in front of an abortion clinic. My question to Dan or Kyle if a bishop tells you, like Cardinal Kupich actually did, lay Catholics, I don't want you to pray in front of abortion clinics, would that be a lawful order, or is that an example of clericalism? Is that an example of what St. Paul calls lording over somebody? Dan Schneider, then Kyle next. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think we have to go back again to, to good theological principles. One of them is uh, there's been a misunderstanding of of what is the role of the lady and what is the role of the clergy? I remember being at, at, a, at a mass uh, not long ago, and the the pastor says we need volunteers, we need more more lay involvement, and so you know Susan from Parish Council is going to stand up and she's going to hold up placards of all the things that the lay people need to be doing in our parish to be good Catholics, and everything that was held up, it was it was lector, uh, uh, communion minister, uh, um, usher. You know, all these things that had to do with 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 liturgy. And that's a misunderstanding of the charism of the laity. And this is the key principle. The charism of the laity is secular in nature. Our job is to, the church's job, the, the care of the priesthood. The priest is ordered towards sacrifice. Right. He is his his. This is why his hands are anointed here on the palms. When when the priest receives last rites or anointing of the sick, 
the back of his hands are anointed, not the front of his hands. The priest is ordered towards sacrifice, towards liturgy. He is litur every action that he does, good or evil, is has some element of liturgy in it. It's liturgical in a sense. So the laity, our job is to be well formed by the by the by the church, and in that formation, take the gospel into the secular realm. That's our charism. So so for for a, a, for a bishop for a, a bishop to to say no, you cannot do this or that activity in the secular realm is it's as disordered as a layperson saying no. I insist on being there and celebrating with you, Father. I want to celebrate. We're all the same here, right? All are welcome. We're all the same. That's just a, that's a false construct. We have to just be very aware of. So so I would I would disagree with that. Just what I would see as as. The role of the lady. Our job is to take the gospel into the public square. That's not the priest's job. The priest is not running for office. The priest is not practicing civil law. Our job is to do these things. Our job is, is to go into the classroom, into the workplace, into the legal field, into politics, everything else, and bring the light of the gospel. I hear the music, Kyle. I want you to answer that next. I want to hear from you. Uh, the question about Cardinal Supich years ago told Catholics they can't pray out in public in front of an abortion clinic. Kyle's up next. This is War College. We'll be right back. Stick around. War College. Every single Wednesday, starting 2022. This is going to be the go-to podcast for all things spiritual warfare. I have the, the two lay Catholics that are most skilled and adroit at spiritual warfare in the world. Kyle Clement uh, works directly with Father Ripperger for the last 15 years. In fact, Father Ripperger has told me, he goes, every exorcist needs a Kyle Clement. Dr. Dan Schneider has incredible credentials, part of an exorcism team, consults exorcists around the country. Both of these two men, one or the other, will be with us every Wednesday on War College. Kyle, same question to you. Say you lived in Seattle, Washington 10 years ago. You're out there doing 40 Days for Life, praying as a lay Catholic. The bishop tells you to stand down. He doesn't want you out there. Uh, is, has he exceeded the scope of his authority, yes or no? Yes. And so that's the short answer. Dan is spot on about our commission from Holy Mother Church about what we're to do. It comes like all commissions to Holy Mother Church directly from Christ. Two observations. One is that um, the whole precept of, of the church in canon law is in the introduction to, uh, to the current canon law as well as the 1917 um uh, version and, and it says it's all about salvation of souls and so salvation of souls has to be the primary concern and when you've got a prelate or anyone else who is telling you not to exercise your faith uh, this is contrary and um, this is not the only statement this guy's a bad actor don't you know there's no need in mincing words I'm Captain Obvious I'm the guy that always says the emperor has no clothes <laughs> This guy's a bad actor. You track him across the American West, and he has been a steady influence to, to uh, for liturgical abuse, diminution of, of sacredness, um, and, and it's been a constant erosion of the integrity of the deposit of the faith. And so um, I'm not surprised that you picked this quote out of and this command out of many. Um, he is 
constantly stepping outside the lines of canonical authority. And so once again, and, and going back to the question and immediately preceded this one, you're under no obligation to obey an, a statement or even a command or even a recommendation that is not um, rightly ordered canonically or uh, under the natural law. And I'd like to make one more punctuation point that Dan makes, and that is this, is we've got inversion. The diabolical inverts sacramental integrity, liturgical integrity, and enculturation for 19 centuries meant that we as Catholics took the Catholic faith into the culture. We changed the culture through our presence. Currently, and under the new Jesuitical uh, definition, enculturation means we bring these pagan practices into the liturgy, and you get all kinds of things um, that are absolutely against our Catholic faith being done in the liturgy and in the presence of our Lord. And, and this is absolutely unacceptable. Kyle, let me just tell Dan the reason. <laughs> thank you for that answer. That was a very complete. I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind after hearing both of you. Dan, the reason I asked Kyle about, uh, about wearing a mask and the government tells you to do so was funny. When Kyle was picked up by the guys from the, uh, say, Michael Shield, and they took him to the hotel two weeks ago, there was a, some young millennial behind the hotel. He was, he was kind of a Kevin, and they all walked in, uh, and, uh, and Kyle didn't have a mask on. Remember, this is California. It's a lockdown state. And so he says, hey, sir, sir, you, you, I wasn't there, but I was told that he told Kyle, sir, sir, you got to put on a mask. And Kyle just stood his ground, just says, and where's the law on this? And it was hilarious. The guys were busting up there saying, Jess, Kyle is a cowboy, man. He came to California and he didn't care what this, uh, these illegal mandates said in California. Kyle did not stand down. So they were, it was, uh, they had a, a, a great time with Kyle and Father Ripperger, especially just seeing Kyle just, uh, telling this young millennial, no, I'm not going to put it on. And ultimately, uh, Ruben Nava, who's all on the, here on Tuesday and Thursdays, a retired cop from L.A., very well known. Uh, uh, he's, uh, he said, come on, let's get, let's get another hotel for Kyle. So we were talking about it that evening. So that's, uh, that's why I asked him that question, Dan. You weren't there. You would have missed a, an incredible moment. Oh, oh I've, I've had plenty of those. I've had plenty of Kyle moments, yes. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Okay, let me share a story with both of you before I give the next question about just to put some meat on what you guys said about lay people. We're called to sanctify the temporal order of the streets. And again, we're not, we're not necessarily to be in the sanctuary and doing all these uh, little cleric uh, assignments. Uh, in 2020, about a year and a half ago, my brother Johnny, he's younger than me. He's a former Marine. He's a blue-collar guy, works for the Department of Water and Power. He's a city worker, zealous Catholic, a hard charger, uh, father of six kids. Uh, he's getting off of work, and a fellow pro-life Catholic, Laura Chavez, very well-known in Southern California, calls up my brother Johnny and says, Hey, Johnny, Black Lives Matter and Antifun, they're on their way to the San Fernando Mission Park across from the old mission, and they're going to tear down the statue of St. Junipero Serra. There's about 100 guys from BLM and Antifa. So my brother Johnny, as he's driving home after a long day's work of digging ditches, he doesn't hesitate for a second because he loves God and loves Holy Mother Church. He teaches RCA in his parish. So he calls his wife and says, Honey, I'm not going to be home for dinner. I'm going to the park and protect St. Junipero Serra's statue. His wife is saying, Johnny, don't go, don't go. You're outnumbered. He goes, I got my rosary. Don't worry. And I got faith. So my brother Johnny drove to the park. 
There's about a hundred Black Lives Matter and Antifa anarchists with crowbars and chains, and they're walking over to the Saint Junipero Serrat statue, and they're screaming and cussing and they're threatening everybody with violence, and they don't move out of the way. So Johnny runs there in front of the statue. There's six other Catholic men that are already there. So now Johnny's number seven, perfect number of God, by the way. So seven Catholic men with rosaries in hand, and they kind of took a boxer stand. They put their left leg forward, right leg back. They kind of ducked their chin down to cover it with their shoulder. They had the rosaries up in the air. They're all praying the rosary loud. They're surrounded by 100 guys from Antifa, and uh, the police ended up coming, thanks be to God, and the police stood in between the seven Catholic men and the 100 Antifa, and eventually, the, the, uh, nobody was hurt, and the statue wasn't torn down. Now, the point that I'm making is my brother Johnny, I said, dude, you got, weren't you afraid? I, dude, seven, seven of you guys and 100 Black Lives Matter with chains and crowbars? He goes, yeah, I was afraid. He goes, but you know what? Just, I, I'm not going to let people destroy the, 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 uh, our Catholic faith and tear it down in public. The public, Johnny says, the public square is for lay Catholics to defend. He goes, you know, I wasn't thinking about at that time calling my pastor and say, hey, Father, can I go out there and defend the statue or calling my bishop? That's the last thing in my mind. I know my job as a lay Catholic. He says, I felt it was my duty as a lay Catholic to go into the public square, put my body in between a statue and Black Lives Matter and suffer the consequences. I just kind of wanted to put meat on your on both of your answers, by the way. So here's the next question, guys. Can uh, I heard an explanation in a video that Eve had sex with Satan, uh, not just eating the forbidden fruit. Is there anything, is there any truth to this or is it a lie? Dan or Kyle? No, it's, it, it's a lie. It's not in tradition. It's not in any of the writings of the fathers. It's not in any background. I'll point out that Satan is an incorporeal creature. Um, and so he appropriated the senses, uh, of the serpent and actually does projection through the serpent who doesn't have the power to speak, giving voice to Eve. But we see our Lord show up. We see God himself show up, uh, in Genesis three, and there's not any indication that there was anything like that that happened. And so this is kind of phenomenology, um, that we really need to kind of back away from. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a lot of um, there's a there's a lot of Gnostic and you know uh, other uh, works being written uh, at this time, you know, around the time of the formation of the Gospels, the first few centuries. So there's just a lot of weird Gnostic um, and later Kabbalistic, uh, you know, spiritualism thrown out there. The different ideas that that are not in conformity at all with tradition. I've I'm in. in Never have I seen anything even remotely like that. The only thing that possibly um, that is, is a, it's a fairly decent document. It's called the, the I think it's called the Life and Death of Adam, and it just tracks a, a little bit of the story behind the story, so to speak. It's not canonical. It's not even written by a saint. It's not considered part of tradition. So people pull stuff from these different ideas, just like the Gnostic Gospel. If you recall, a few years back, ten years ago or so. The, the Gnostic Gospels or the Apocryphal Gospels are very popular. You hear priests preaching sermons on the Gospel of Thomas and these other things. Um, these, you know, we need to just stick to Scripture and tradition and what the, how the tr- received tradition in the patristic writings. Uh, and nowhere in there is there anything, any indication whatsoever, either in the, internally or external, external evidence pointing to that. 
Outstanding. Next question here is, in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, God separates the light from the darkness. Where in Scripture does it say that the light are the angels and the darkness are the demons? That comes not in Scripture. It, it, again, Scripture is not a. It's not going to tell you every single detail. That's why we have to lean on the tradition of the church and look to doctors of the church. So that's the consistent uh, speculation or teachings of the doctors of the church, including Bonaventure, uh, doctor, you know, who's known as Seraphic Doctor. Um, his under, understanding of angelology and creation. So, so that comes from from Bonaventure was one. I think Gregory as well. That was sort of the the consistent tradition of some of the, uh, the saints and doctors of the church is that God separated the light from the darkness before there was the sun, the moon, and, and the cosmos created in that manner uh, where there could be a day or a light. So, so the way the fathers of the church saw it was a separation of the angels. Uh, and that's what separated the, the good angels from the fallen angels. All creation, all angels, be, be, be clear, were created good and through their own malice and their own decision made the permanent decision to, to, to fall and rebel against God. That's what the catechism says. But the, the fathers of the church, as they're explaining the reality of man's formation, the creation of the universe and the cosmos, they speculated that that was the point. Again, speculation its one thing if me and Kyle speculate. It's another if, if a doctor of the church speculates. Our, the, the theology that we write and teach they're based on the, the writings of the doctors and fathers of the church. I hear the music. Good stuff. Man, this is high-level Catholic spiritual warfare every single Wednesday. It's called War College. Absolutely War College. Why? Because the laity we call the church militant. Job chapter 7 verse 1 says life is warfare. We'll be right back with uh, our two sharpshooters, Kyle Clement, Dan Schneider. War College, we're back. Three lay Catholics under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, devoted to Our Lady, faithful sons of the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, Kyle and, and Dan, I, I want to talk about now, about where do, I am so thankful and so so happy that we're able to start, specifically Dan and Kyle, to start bringing Liber Crystal back and give us some organizational structure because there's so many lay Catholics out there that are looking for help, that want help, that need answers. Kyle, what's uh, what's the future of Liber Crystal? Well, starting, obviously, this year, 2022. Tell us what is Liber Crystal and how we seek to help Holy Mother Church. So Liber Crystal uh, is a methodology of liberation. Um Dan works with us very, very closely at SMD, uh, works closely with Father. And what he's done is uh, with, with our input, he has, he's authored a book that will detail that, be, sometime, be out sometime this next year. But in, in bringing uh, Libra Cristo back, uh, Father's main emphasis is for this to be available not only to laity but to priests. Uh, as a methodology, it, it's highly effective. And so to that end, we're also doing some things. Um, there is a Lenten retreat, a Reclamation Theology retreat in Sunset, South Carolina for laity, um, February 28th to March 4th. If you'd like information on that, again, org and request the information. So this is uh, Ash Wednesday is falls in that week. And so 
traditionally a Lenten retreat was something that, that faithful Catholics did during the Lenten season. And so I encourage you to recapture that practice. Um, I'll be there leading that retreat. Then there's a general practitioner training for priests and teams and individuals to be trained in the Libra Cristo model, the Libra Cristo methodology. That's March 14th through the 18th in Sunset, South Carolina. Now, Jesse and Dan will be with me there, and Father will join us on Zoom for that general practitioner training. So, again, if you want information on any of these events, go to LibraCristo.org and, and ask. Um, the, the next thing is uh, there's an exorcist training. Father and I will be training exorcists uh, at the same location, um, and there are scholarships. We've only got two spots left, but if someone's interested in sponsoring a priest uh, and going through this, we have some priests that are in need of financial sponsorship to go through that. And so if you're interested in doing that, um, the uh, prayers, the, the prayers of an exorcist priest on your behalf and thanksgiving for sponsoring them uh, through that training might be a pretty powerful, uh, pretty, pretty powerful uh, thing. And then next, there's an online spiritual combat book study. We're going to continue the book study of spiritual combat by Dom Lorenzo Scapoli. So those are several things that are happening this spring um, in the next, in the short. Uh, and if you want the newsletter, but we're trying to build back the Libra Cristo community um, with, a, with a cleaner, more orthodox methodology. And, and my public thanks to Dan for helping us do that. Dan, comments about Libra Crystal and where we're going to take this in the future. And by the way, I'm just happy to be the water boy, guys. I'm just, uh, I'm happy uh, that God put us together, and I'm happy to just carry your water. Dan, what's, uh, what say you about the future Libra Crystal? No, I think, I, I think it's, um, you know, it's safe. I was watching a special I saw on call about this morning um, on the British SAS. It's on uh, Amazon. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Um, and it's called Rogue Warriors. And so they were interviewing um, the second in command who took over the, S the, uh, the SAS, the British Special Forces. And they said they basically this guy is a psychotic mess and, and that he was that he was crazy and all the other things. And he said that's that is absolutely not true. I, I calculate the risk and then I act. And so so forming forming Catholic minds and 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 learning to calculate the risk to safely do this both as team members but also in your in your homes and start to execute um you know good spiritual spiritual warfare principles in the home uh to to help clean some of this stuff up because we're living in a very very dark time right now so we need to learn we need to you know our, our goal is to train teams uh work with priests and teams that, that are using our protocol as well as uh be a resource for the laity uh, as they get stuck in various uh situations awesome uh are we going to have a frequently asked questions section on that web page? Because a lot of the questions are recurring. Uh, so, Dan, Kyle, are we going to have an FAQ section on LibraCristo.org eventually? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have one eventually. We're working, uh, assembling all that right now. So, so yeah, we'll, that'll eventually we'll get that up and running. That way we want to answer all the emails. We can just refer people back over. Because there's a lot, you know, some things are unique to, unique questions, but some things are, are you know, the same same questions kind of come in there, you know, so from the battlefield, so to speak. So, yeah, we're, we're going to we're going to clean that up and get that out there. Da, uh, Kyle, I want to ask you a question. So the Libra Crystal model that uh, that you and Dan are experts in and teaching under the tutelage of Father Chad Ripperger. What other models 
are there out there in the Catholic world that we would say are parallel models or competing models or other models that are being used? Uh, what other models are there? Because people are going to say, okay, well, I thought maybe this is the only model in the Catholic Church. Uh, what's the difference between this model, liber, the liberal Christian model, and, for example, the, the Pentecostal slash charismatic model or, the, or what would be called the Roman model? What's uh, basically used out uh, in uh, the uh, IAE? What's the difference, or what are the similarities, Kyle? I think that succinctly, and I'll let Dan speak to it um, and clean up my answer. But very, very succinctly, this is the the Catholic methodology because it relies on the centrality of the sacraments being in a state of grace, but more succinctly. This is the only objective model out there. Every other model is subjective. And reality is objective. It's not subjective. The demon either yields or he doesn't yield. There's either a demon there or there's not a demon there. And so to contrast these models, dealing with a large data set and the patterning of the demon, a set diagnostic, a set methodology of, of expulsion and, and discovering impediments to grace. All of these things are very, very um, straightforward and very patterned, and they are objective, not subjective. We do not depend, nor do we counsel or even suggest that someone should use, quote, sensitives or the way they, quote, discern or feel. There really is no place for this in this ministry um, there's no place for it in any of the, of the medical arts. There's no place for it in any of the, the rightly applied psychological arts. And there's no place for it in the faith. It either conforms to doctrine and dogma or it does not. It either conforms to Catholic tradition or it does not. The Pentecostal evangelical uh, model that has made its way into the Catholic Church this where there are two basic defects. One is it's all subjective. Um, number two is it has lay people doing priestly things, um, discharging uh, priestly duties, which are not theirs to discharge. So truly, uh, right now, it is the only method that, that yields uh, and is consistent with traditional Catholicism, meaning that which the church has done for 19 centuries. Um, and I'll let Dan clean, clean up that answer. Dan, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think one of the things, one of the key differences is the monastic and hierarchical model that we work under. We work under our teams work under the, the authority of the local bishop. Um, there's letters of commissioning for those. Everything is protected. Uh, everyone has spiritual protection. Um, and, and so that and we follow, again, monastic model. We, we you know, in the authority, the lines of authority flowing from bishop to the exorcist or to the pastor, that sort of thing. Um, and also, you know, as, as an observer, you know, uh, again, a cap scout, um, former officer in the military, you had you had that constant balance between the mission, but also taking care of your troops and getting them home safely. And so there's a there's a there's an obligation upon upon particularly the church and the priest involved and the bishop to make sure we accomplish our mission, but also to take care of the troops and do it safely. And the the, the methodology of Libra Cristo is it's it's a it, it minimizes the risk and it, and it builds upon good traditional foundations that helps us. And again, as Kyle says, it's objective. You go through this protocol, we're going to get objective data on what's going on. Before before we use this locally, and I've used other models, I've been involved in the various different models of this. Um, 
you know, we could never have any any way to discern the psychological from the spiritual. We just assumed if somebody came in and said they saw the devil that they were they were possessed or they were afflicted, and that's not necessarily the case. Or father father himself has said um, the last time they were they checked in 2015, they had 1,200 inquiries, 600 formal uh, uh, um, requests, and of those 600, at the end of the year, maybe three of them, so five percent say. Um, are actual cases of possession. A third of them um, were heavily were afflicted, but could self-deliver. And part of the protocol is to handle that. So, so otherwise, we've I've seen it. I've seen we get four or five cases come in every day, and it just wears the the, the resources of the diocese, the priest, and the team out. And the demon is very good at that. So this way, this is a very organized structure. That's what I feel I like about it as an ex-military guy. It's very organized and objective, and, and it is effective. By the way, I think it's going to be a great year, and I thank I thank the Lord that the God that the Lord put us together back in 2019 when I met Kyle. I reconnected with Dan after 20 years. Uh, I I hope the, and pray that God does great things with Liber Cristo because the lady needs some instruction. They need some spiritual guidance. They need some tools because there's a lot of good, well-intentioned lay people out there that are just getting some bad catechesis, and so this could not have come at a better time. This organizational structure that's coming together, Liber Cristo. Kyle, I want to thank you, and I want to thank Dan. You guys are a uh, you guys are a treasure chest to the lay Catholics, and even to priests, because I know priests call you from all over the country and consult with you on cases of exorcism. So it's not like you're just teaching lay people; uh, you're also a teacher of Catholic priests as well. I want to thank you for your service to Holy Mother Church. Kyle, last thoughts before we uh, wrap it up? Yeah, I want to encourage people to get out there and be Catholic, be uncompromisingly Catholic, men. The merit of your prayer is directly related to your purity. Be pure. Your first job is to tell clean from unclean, and then go be Catholic. Go make a difference. Dan, comments? Last, last minute comment before we wrap it up? Yeah, no. No, I just appreciate the opportunity, and, and we're glad to, 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 to help them any way we can. And, uh, again, the be, our best weapon, our best protection, our best shield is holiness, holiness of life. As Kyle says, be Catholic, delve deeper, go and take a deep dive into the teachings of the church and, and, and truly try to grow in holiness because that's ultimately our shield, our protection as the sacraments and the life of holiness. Amen. You've been listening to the War College. Three men that love the Lord, love Our Lady, faithful to Holy Mother Church. That's a wrap. We're 10-7. We're out of service, off duty. This is the EOW end of watch. We'll see you next week, same Christ time, same Christ channel. Wednesday, War College. God bless you. Keep the faith.